Christ's name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this afternoon, uh, Reg and Kim are having a uh, reception up in the warehouse, which is up in the second floor. So they um, said they have enough food for all of you. That's what they told me. So everybody come uh, just to give you a chance to talk to them and meet them, interact with them, and wish them God's best as they head into this new venture that God has for them. So we invite you at 2 o'clock up at the warehouse to come up and join us at that time. I want to just personally say welcome to all of you who are here. For those of you that um, I haven't had a chance to meet or don't know, my name is John uh, Miklas. I'm the lead pastor here at CCC, and um, it's great to have you here. Uh, as Roddy said, the snow did not prohibit us from meeting, um, and so we're glad to be able to be here with all of you this morning. For those of you that regularly attend, it's great to have you here with us as well. You know, over the last several weeks, uh, we've been looking at money myths. Um, some could call them lies or deceptions, things that we have subtly come to believe to be true, that as we peeled back the layer of them, as we looked at them a little bit deeper, we realized they're not true. They're not true. And so what we tried to do is we tried to explore what is the truth? What is the truth that God says about these areas of our money and our finances? Then the first myth we looked at is I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. This is a subtle myth. It's one that creeps in where we just say, if I just had a little bit more. And what we discovered is that the average person, when asked how much more would they need, every single person says, just double my salary and it will be enough. And what you realize is, it's never enough. Paul says in, the, Paul says in his writings, he says, if you have food and clothing, we would probably add shelter. Um, can you be content? Can you be content and recognize that everything else is extra that God has graciously provided for us? And so a truth statement that we've said, and I want to invite you to say this with me to remind us that this lie is not true. And let's say this together. God has blessed me with more than I need. And the second myth that we talked about is it's a sin to be rich. It's a sin to be rich. And what we realize as we looked at this is that we are all rich. We are all rich. If you didn't have a chance to, go to this website, www.globalrichlist.com. Put in your salary, and it will tell you how rich you are compared to the rest of the world. You know, if you make more than $32,750, you are in the top 1% of wage earners around the globe. That means you make more money than 99% of the people in the world. You are rich. But with that wealth comes a problem because being rich is not wrong. It's what? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because when we're rich, what happens is our pride goes up because we assume we have attained it, we have accomplished it, we figured out, we've solved it, and our hope in God goes down. And so we talked last week about the ways to battle this myth. The ways that we battle it is two things, gratitude and generosity. Gratitude and generosity. I caught myself this past week. I was telling someone about something that I had found and purchased, and it was a great deal. And I said, it was, I was so lucky to get this. And I went, ah, that's not what I'm supposed to say. It wasn't luck. It wasn't luck. God provided this for me. God provided this for me. And I realized how quickly that rolls off of our tongue to just push the credit to either luck or good fortune or a great seal a great sale or our good planning or our hard work instead of giving god the credit for all of those things and so this week we want to tackle oh let's go to the truth so what's the truth on this one let's say it together i am rich 
I will not trust in my riches, but in Him who richly provides for me. I am not rich, but I will trust in Him who richly, and not in my riches, but in Him who richly provides for me. Well, this week, as I promised you last week, we're going to tackle this one, which is the church wants my money. The church wants my money. And if you are new here to CCC, um, I just want to say to you that every week we try to tackle the challenges and struggles and the real life experiences that we are all going through. And we tackle them by looking at what God's word has to say about them. Because we believe that God's word gives us guidance and direction in our lives. It directs us to, introduces us to Jesus who invites us into a relationship with him that will change our lives forever. And then once we follow him, it invites us to look at what does it look like to love God fully and to love others deeply. And in order to do this, we follow the directions of Jesus and of those men um, who were the followers of Jesus and listen and attentive to what they have to say. Money's a pretty personal issue in our culture. Um, it's everywhere, but we don't talk about our money. But Jesus talked about money. He talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. And so it's important for us to dive into this issue and see what he has to say for us. And my hope this morning is that you don't walk away discouraged and frustrated and say, there's another church just trying to get money out of me, but that you walk away with a sense of there's something truthful here and the truth is found in God's word and it can give me direction for my life. Each week we've been spending time in the book of First Timothy. And if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be in 1 Timothy. Um, let me tell you about 1 Timothy. This is the page number on the Bible that's there in the seat bracket in front of you if you want to grab that and follow along. If you have an Apple on your phone, we invite you to follow along there as well. Uh, Timothy was a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Timothy was a church planner in the city of Ephesus. And Paul was his mentor. He was his protege. He was his coach. And I would suspect that somehow... Timothy got word to Paul, who was in Rome, and said to him, Paul, I'm running into some of these issues. Can you give me some advice? Can you give me some direction? And then Paul wrote this letter back to Timothy. And we looked at these verses last week, and I want to look at them again. First Timothy, let's look in verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, there's our pride going up, or to put our hope in our wealth, but, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. He says he commands them to do good. And this is what he said, we talked about this last week, that what he invites us in to be, is to be generous with our actions in good deeds and generous with our resources, with our money and with our finances, and willing to share. So what happens when we are rich in good deeds, generous with our actions, and we're rich with our finances, we're generous with our resources. What happens? He says something very fascinating in verse 19. He says this, In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What's Paul talking about there? Well, he says, In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves. Treasure for themselves. He's basically talking about some type of a savings plan. Now, let me ask you, how many of you have, or you or, or your family, either you have you know, money in retirement, a 401k, a Roth, maybe investments, maybe a savings account, maybe money stuffed under your mattress. How many of you are saving money somewhere? Let me see your hand. Put your hands up. How many of you are saving? Look around the room. Just about everybody. We're all saving money somewhere. 
Now, we're not saving that money to go and spend for lunch today, are we? No. No. We're saving that money for something we're going to need down the road, right? That's what we're saving it for. You, you could be saving it for a new car. You could save it for your kid's education. You could be saving it to go to college. You could be saving it for your retirement. You can be saving it, but you're saving it for something. And what Paul says to Timothy is he says, when you are rich in good deeds and you are generous with your resources, you are saving money for yourself for the future. He says you're laying it up treasure. That's You're saving something for the future as a firm foundation for the coming age. You say, John, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean I got this like heavenly IRA that I'm banking money in? You know, I think so. What, what's that mean and how am I going you know, to get dividends from it and what's going to happen if it runs out? I don't have any idea. All I know is Paul says that when you are making choices and decisions in this life to be generous with your actions and generous with your stuff, you're sending something ahead that's laying a foundation for whatever eternity with God is like. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Now, what this doesn't say is it doesn't say that you are earning salvation. It doesn't say you're earning your way to heaven. It doesn't say you're earning favor with God. It doesn't say any of those things. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, not as a result of anything you do, anything you do, but it's the grace of God in our lives. We are not saved by our good deeds. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved for them or to engage in them in the rest of our lives. And so Paul says, he says, you know, you're setting stuff aside. It's going in the future. And then he says this, so that you might take hold of life that is truly life. So that. What's the purpose of having this stuff ahead? What's the purpose of sending? Why am I... Why am I doing these things and sending ahead? Why? Why? Well, he says when you do that, you're going to take hold of life. You know, think about the last time someone said, hold on tight. When was the last time someone said to you, hold on tight? You remember when that was? Um, this past summer, my family, we took a short trip and, uh, together before my daughter got married. We wanted to do something kind of the last time together, and so we took a, a short cruise out of New York City over to Bermuda. And one of the things that you read about in Bermuda is you've got to rent mopeds, and you've got to ride all over the island on mopeds. And um, I've never driven a motorcycle before. I've never driven a moped before. I've never driven any motorized bike before. My son has with a bunch of his buddies, and so he's pretty comfortable with it. And so my daughter rode behind my son, and uh, my wife rode behind me. And the first 15 minutes of riding behind my wife, she proceeded to tell me about how people die on mopeds all over Bermuda. And I said, dear, that's not helpful, you know. I said, this is fun, and I love the wind flowing through my hair, and I'm going to go as fast as I can on this 35-mile-an-hour limit moped, you know. And uh, so she's riding, up, she's riding behind me, and she's kind of leaning back, holding on. And when we stopped the first time, my daughter said, Mom, you've got to lean forward and hold on to Dad. That's what you've got to do, you know. And uh, so she was kind of giving her some coaching tips on holding on tightly. And what Paul says here is he says, when you are generous with your, with your good deeds and generous with your resources, you're sending something ahead. And when you're sending something ahead, you get a chance to grab on to what life is really all about. And he says, life that is life. What's that mean? 
Well, just a few verses early in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, take hold of what is eternal life. And I suspect that maybe what Paul was talking about is he was saying that when you live this kind of a life, you get to grab hold on, you get to get a little glimpse, a little taste of what eternity will be like for us. You get a little taste of the joy of giving. You get a little taste of feeling this sense of the Father's delight in you. You get a little taste of saying, I'm not going to let that stuff take hold of me, and I'm not going to let greed strangle me. I'm going to be generous with my stuff and see what God does with it. And I think what Paul is saying is he's saying, you get a little taste of what the life to come is really going to be about. It's not giving something up. It's actually amazing what you are receiving on the other side. So the question is, how do I do this? How do I be generous with good deeds and generous with my stuff? Well, I think it's, it's one of the ways that we do that is by pouring into others. Pouring into others. I want to invite you to turn back a few pages in your Bibles there to the, chat, to the book of Luke. Luke's one of the gospel writers that writes about the life of Jesus and in Luke chapter 12, we looked at a story briefly last week, and I want to circle back around to it. In Luke chapter 12, and in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is teaching to the crowds, and someone in the crowd yells out to him, Teacher, my, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, in those days, usually the oldest son was given the inheritance, and it was his responsibility to divide it amongst his siblings. So let me ask you this question. Do you think this was the older brother saying this or a younger brother saying this? What do you think? Younger brother, right? The younger brother saying, hey, Jesus, I'm not getting my fair shake. I'm not getting what is owed to me. I'm not getting what's coming to me. Can you make sure I get my part? That's what he says to Jesus. Jesus then says, be careful, be careful, because... Greed is going to come at you all different kinds of ways. We talked about this the first week, didn't we? That it comes at us all different kinds of ways. What's a struggle for me is not going to be a struggle for you, and not going to be a struggle for you, and not going to be a struggle for you, and not going to be a struggle for you. It's all different. And then look at that last warning. He says, life is not about collecting lots of stuff. It doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Life is not about that. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story, and he tells a story about a rich guy. He had a great harvest. The sunshine was right. It didn't rain cats and dogs and set the, the record for most rainfall in a year like we got in Lancaster County this past year. Uh, there was no insects. There was no blight. Harvest came perfect timing. They got it all in, and he had more than he knew what to do with. At the end of the year, dividends were off the charts. Sales were off the charts. They sold more than they ever had in your business. And he said, what am I going to do? I don't have any place. I need a place to store my crops. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to tear down this barn. I'm going to build a bigger barn. And there I'll store my surplus of grain. And he said to himself, you've plenty laid up. Take life easy. Enjoy. 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 God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself this is how it will be with whoever stores up for himself for themselves but is not rich towards god you catch that last phrase stores up for who to share with everybody else no 
stores up for themselves. I mean, this guy was a little bit like, you know, he had a container and he had all his stuff to put in his container. And he kept putting more in and more in and more in and more in. And eventually it was more than he could hold in this container. So he had to trade it in for a bigger container. He said, I need a bigger container so I can put more stuff in and more stuff in and more stuff in so I can have more stuff for my container. And he said, that wasn't big enough. So you know what? I really need a big container so I can keep putting more in and more in and more in and more in. And Jesus says, when your life is all about containers, and in our culture, it's not containers, it's sheds and storage units, right? That's what our culture is. I don't have enough space. I don't have enough room for all my things. I have to find more space to store my things. It's what I have to do. It's what I have to do. If you come in my office, I have, um, I have a bunch of bookshelves. I love books, love to read, and... Um, recently there was some piles of books on the floor and my daughter came in the office she's like dad why don't you move these bookshelves and build some more shelves and then you have more room for more books and I said no I I, I kind of said I'm going to have four shelves and that's it and if they can't all fit I'm going to go through them get rid of some give some away because that's it I'm going to keep my container small I'm not going to keep adding and adding and adding and adding that's a simple little illustration but for me, it's just a reminder. It's not about getting a bigger shelf or a bigger container. It's about doing something with it. And instead of this, I think what Jesus suggests is, instead of storing things, will your life be a pitcher? You know what you do with a pitcher? You put something in. You don't put something in a pitcher to store it for very long, do you? Maybe a little window, right? But what do you do with the pitcher? You pour it out, right? You pour it out. And so I think what Jesus says is, you have a choice of what to do with your life. You live in the richest country on the earth you're rich you're rich and you have a choice you can just create more containers and more containers and more containers and build a bigger container a bigger container a bigger container or you can put some of it in here and you can pour it out you can pour it out and you see when the the question has come up the church just wants my money i don't think it's about the church as much as it's about what's going on inside of me but what does the church do with my money? What does the church do with my money? Does the church just create bigger containers and bigger containers and bigger containers and just store, store, store? Is that what the church does? Or does the church pour out what God pours into us? Let me tell you a little bit of what our church does. You know, we have every Sunday, uh, we have over 175 kids and students that are here um, on a regular basis that we introduce to the life-changing message of Jesus. 175 kids. We want them to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. From an infant, from a baby who's an infant to a high school senior. We want them to know not only is there a God who loves them, but he wants to have a relationship with them through his son, Jesus Christ. And if they choose to follow him, that he's going to give them direction in their life and he's going to give them confidence, he's going to give them hope through all the challenges that they're facing, no matter what those challenges are. And that they can live in this life in an amazing way because of Jesus. Not only do, do we do that, but um, in the last two years, your generosity um, has given just shy of $25,000 towards the Denver House renovation project. For those who may be not from this area, the Denver House is a building next to Turkey Hill right in Denver. Um, it used to be a flop house and a drug house and flea infested. It was a horrible place. 
And a, commun- a, a, a ministry in our area, Real Life Community Services, has come in and torn that down. They're in the process of building this building that's going to have low-income housing for people that need it. It's going to have social services for people that need it. It's going to have drug and alcohol counseling. It's going to have health services uh, for low-income individuals. And it's all in the name of Jesus that they're going to serve the people with these needs. You've not only done that, but this past year we gave $36,000 away in our benevolence fund to serve the people in this community who came to us and said, you know, we're going through this struggle. Uh, We need some help. Is there any way the church could help? And we've just been able to pour this out, pour this out, pour this out. And then just in the last six months, you have given um, $60,000 for us to give to our former worship pastor, Johnny, and his wife, Susan, who's recovering from the accident near last year, almost a year ago, and the traumatic brain injury, just to continue to sustain while he recovers so that they can function and live life. But it's not just here in this area. It's around the world. You've given money generously over the years so that we can establish two churches um, in a small region of India to help build a school and now to raise money to build a water tower. You've given generously towards Reg and Kim Frank and the ministry that they're going to have in the country of Austria to make a difference. You've given generously so um, dozens and dozens of high school students can go to the country of Haiti and see um, what God is doing in another part of the world and allow God to open their heart to see what does it look like for me to live out my faith as I walk away from the walls of my high school. And so when, when, you, when we talk about you giving generously, this is what happens when you pour your life out and you pour your resources, and when it's entrusted to us, what we do with it, where we pour all of those things out. But it's not just that. I think God also says, the way that you are generous with your resources and generous with your stuff and send it ahead as you pay attention to your heart. You pay attention to your heart. You say, what do you mean, John? Well, turn back just a few pages to book of Matthew, another story about Jesus' life, Matthew. And look at page 787 there in their Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, um, Jesus offers these words to us. He says this. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. When I was a freshman in college, I met this guy named Mike, and uh, Mike's mom would always send every week a box full of snack food. And so you can imagine where my buddies and I would end up on most evenings late at night when we should have been studying. We end up in Mike's room eating his snack food. And um, Mike was generous to share with us about the first month or so, but then when we would come in when he wasn't there and eat his snack food, he didn't really like that a whole lot, you know. And so um, Mike decided it wasn't a good idea for us to keep eating his snack food, and so he bought a foot locker, a, a big locker to put underneath his bed. And he started storing the snacks in the locker, and um, then he would hide the key. Well, then we would sneak in the room and find the key and still eat his snacks. He didn't like that, so he kept the key with him. And um, I remember us coming back after spring break, one after spring break, and we went into Mike's room. And we're like, Mike, what is that smell? He's like, What do you mean that smell? And we started looking around, and he's like, It's coming from under the bed. And he went open, and this locker of food that he was not willing to share with us, guess what? It had all rotted. It all rotted. And that's what Jesus says. He says, if you're just storing, if you're just building bigger containers, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get you anywhere. You're actually going to lose it. You're going to lose it. He says, instead, I want you to store up treasures in heaven. 
Store up treasures in heaven where this stuff can't destroy. And when you're sending it on ahead by the things that you're doing now, by grabbing hold and taking hold of life that is life, that's what's taking place. And he says this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. You know, the reason we talk about money here at CCC is because that helps us talk about where your heart is. Where your heart is. You say, John, I, I really want to be generous, but I, I'm just not sure how. See, things are really tight for us financially, and, and we just have enough to get from now to the end of the month. And by the time we get to the end of the month, I'm just holding my breath and keeping my fingers crossed we can get everything paid. Well, if that's your situation, um, we want to encourage you, first thing, the first thing for you to consider doing is attending Financial Peace University. Um, watch this short video just to tell you a little bit about what Financial Peace University is. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Are you really going to make the hard choices to change your life? We had 40000 in student loans, 17000 in cars. I owned a rental property. We had a line of credit, just stuff. We had 16 credit cards. The proverb says... Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes... We paid off $83,000. Wow! When desire comes... $144,000. When desire comes... $450,000 in the last seven years. Wow! It is the tree of life. God says this is how you get out of debt. You gotta run, 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 There is no doubt that this process called Financial Peace University works. The only question is whether you're gonna be involved. And so if you haven't signed up yet, now is the time. Financial Peace University will be starting in just a couple of weeks. It meets, every, it meets here on Tuesday evening for nine weeks. And we would encourage you, if you've never participated in this, to be a part of that. And so that's a place for you to start. Because the question I think we all want to ask ourselves is, how do I know if I'm generous? How do I know if I'm generous? Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a homework assignment to help you figure that out. So our ushers are going to pass out some cards to you. And um, as they're passing these cards out, the card is going to look like this. Um, the card is going to look like this. And um, some of you are thinking, oh, no, the church is giving me a card, making me sign something. What are they trying to get from me? No, 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 not this week. That's next week. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but, no, we want to give you an assignment. So the guys, come on, guys, forward and pass those cards out. And the first thing you, we, want to, we want to challenge you to do is we want to challenge you to figure out how generous you were last year. If generosity is the key to me sending something ahead, to me not making my life about containers, but making my life about pouring out, the first thing you've got to figure out is how generous was I? How generous was I last year? So that's what this card is. So um, most of you are getting ready to do something in the next month called taxes, right? And in taxes, you get these sheets that tell you this is how much you made, this is how much where your money went. And so it's not real hard to figure out how much did we give away last year? How generous was I last year? If you're like, you know what? I, I just made ends meet. Maybe you've got to say that's where I was. I was just at a zero. Didn't really give anything away. Um, maybe you're like, you know, we gave a little bit away. We're kind of at three. We gave 3% of our income, and that's actually not too bad because the average general level of generosity for the average person in America is 2.2%. And so that's a little bit better than the average. Um, but I want to challenge you to take this card home. Number one, figure out what your level of generosity was last year. 
The second thing I want to challenge you to do is say, God, how do you want me to be generous next, this next year, 2019? How do you want me to be generous in 2019? Maybe you feel like God wants you to take one step, and so you're like, I'm going to go up one step. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm going to go up two or three steps, or I'm going to go up four or five steps. You know, what is it that God wants you to do this next year? And the issue is really not about money. The issue is we know, I know, that if you pay attention to this, and you pay attention to being generous, and not just filling up the container, you're paying attention to your heart. You're paying attention to your heart. You see, we're not trying to raise money here at CCC. We don't have a capital campaign going. We're not, uh, we don't have a deficit that we're trying to get out of. Um, we just know that if you give generously to the local church, God will do something in your heart and God will do something through you. If you don't even want to give here, come here, see me afterwards. I'll tell you another church to give this money to. It doesn't matter to us. You see, what matters to us is your heart. And I'm not even going to ask you whatever that commitment is to do it for the whole year. I'm just going to say, would you try it for three months, for 90 days? You're like, I, I don't know if I can go up one. We're just kind of making ends meet. I don't know if God will come through. Will God come through? Will he come through? I hope you come back next week because that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Will he come through? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question to be asking. So this week your homework is to take this with you, to sit with this, to say, where were we at? And what is God giving us a nudge to do this next year? Because I don't want my life to be about creating a bigger container and making it all about me. I want my life and my heart to be about being poured out so that God can use it to make a difference in this world and every part of our world. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? God, you know each person's heart here this morning. Um, you know what their struggle is. You know where they're at financially. Um, you know those that, God, are in a pretty deep hole right now, and they're just not even sure how to get out. Um, God, you know those that are incredibly generous. They give way beyond that scale. Um, you, you know each one of them, Father. And Lord, more than anything, you want their hearts to be open to you. You want their hearts to be receptive of the love that you have provided for them and to be willing to pour that out through their resources into the, the lives of other people. God, our church exists because of the generosity of people. People have given generously for decades, Lord. And because of that, we have a facility. And because of that, we have staff and ministries. And we're able to invest in the lives of others. We're able to care for others. We're able to introduce more and more people to the life-changing message of Jesus. And so, God, that's what you long for for us. That's what you want to do in us. And so, God, help us to be honest with ourselves, honest with our spouses, honest with our close friends. Say, this is where I'm at. And then this week, be willing to sit quietly with you and say, God, what is it that you're tapping me on the shoulder and say, this is how I want you to grow in generosity this next year. We ask these things, God, in your name. Amen.
Amen. Well, hey, guys, we're gonna, I'm going to have you guys stay seated uh, as we play this next song. So let's just take this time to reflect on the points that John has shared with us this morning, just between you and God. Spend this time in prayer. Feel free to sing along. Um, it, uh, we're going to play Take the World. It may be a different version than you guys are used to, but just let this song also be your, part of your prayer.